0: Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Attend the tale of Orestes. He had a sister named Electra. Their mom killed dad, and now they're mad. They're very mad. The demon children of Argo Street. I know, I couldn't resist. As with Agamemnon, I used the Lattimore translation, and I recommend you use the same translation for the Libation Bears that you used for Agamemnon 2, whichever translation that may be, because we are continuing our journey through the Oresteia. The Libation Bears is the second play in this trilogy. It premiered in 458 BCE and won first prize at Dionysia. Yes, the award was for the trilogy, not the individual plays. Aeschylus didn't tie with himself for first prize at Dionysia that year. The play follows the standard form of three actors playing multiple roles and a homogenous chorus. In this case, the homogenous chorus is made up of serving women, and by serving women, we mean slaves, mostly consisting of war captives. The first person we meet is Orestes. Yes, we finally get to see the son of Agamemnon and Clytemnestra he is accompanied by his buddy Pilates. We also meet Electra, the other daughter of Agamemnon and Clytemnestra, who's completely ignored in the first play, the focus of that play being completely on poor Iphigenia. Clytemnestra is Agamemnon's widow slash murderer, and she has now shacked up with Aegisthus, Agamemnon's cousin, and the guy who took credit for Agamemnon's murder at the end of the first play. There are a few servants who also have lines, but only one has a name, Kelissa was Orestes' nursemaid when he was young. As usual, we will look for the basic parts of a Greek tragedy, prologue, parados, episodes in Stesimons, and Exodus. The play opens at Agamemnon's tomb. Orestes and Pilates enter, and Orestes speaks briefly of his grief and leaves a lock of his hair at the tomb before they see Electra and the chorus enter. They hide because that's standard operating procedure when encountering a long-lost relative. In the Parados, the chorus sings about the libations they bear to Agamemnon's tomb because they are the libation bearers who the play is named after. They aren't so keen on Aegisthus and Clytemnestra and are waiting for Agamemnon's death to be avenged. Electra and the chorus talk about their shared animosity and pray some more for Agamemnon's soul. Electra talks about how she wishes Orestes were here because he could take care of it. She finds the lock of hair and wonders if it came from Orestes. He and Pilates then come out of their hiding place. Orestes tells her that he is determined to get their revenge on their mother. An important thing to note in this episode is that the chorus speaks of the Furies and that the law demands revenge. In part, it explains the action of the play, but it is also important to keep in mind when we discuss the entire trilogy after we've read the Humanities. Orestes acknowledges that the Furies will demand his own death, but states that he is willing to take the consequences for murdering his mother in order to avenge his father. The chorus tells of a nightmare Clytemnestra had in which she gave birth to a snake that drew her blood when she tried to nurse it. Orestes declares that he is that snake and explains his plan for how he will murder his mother. Orestes, Pilates, and Electra exit. The chorus sings about how dangerous women can be, giving a number of examples as the song progresses, and conclude that the child, which is to say Orestes, will remove the stain of ancient bloodshed. Orestes and Pilates return and pretend to be travelers from Focus looking for a place to spend the night. Clytemnestra enters and follows the rules of hospitality, especially after they give her news that Orestes is dead. She takes them inside. Calissa, Orestes' old nurse, enters in tears because her former charge is supposedly dead. She has been sent to fetch Agisthus home to greet their guests. She's been told that he should come with his men at arms. The chorus tells her that Orestes isn't really dead and convinces her to tell Agisthus to come alone. The chorus then sings a prayer to Zeus that he will guide Orestes to be successful. Agisthus enters alone and asks the chorus what they know about the visitors. The chorus tells him that they had indeed heard from the visitors that Orestes was dead, but he should probably go hear the story for himself. He exits. The chorus prays to Zeus some more until they hear someone inside scream. One of Agisthus's followers enters and tells them that his master has been murdered. Clytemnestra enters to ask what all the noise is. The follower forgets to use proper nouns and simply says that he is alive and killing the dead but Clytemnestra speaks fluent follower, so she knows the jig is up and calls for an axe so that she can kill Orestes. Orestes enters, along with Pilates, of course, and tells her that she's next. Clytemnestra tries to persuade him to spare her because she's his mother. Orestes points out that she's been a pretty lousy mother, what with all the sending him away and killing his dad and all. He leaves out that Agamemnon was also a pretty lousy dad, what with the killing his sister Iphigenia and all. Clytemnestra tells him that he will suffer the same curse that she has, but Orestes argues that killing her is the only way to escape his father's curse. Curses all around in this family. Ultimately, Orestes and Pilates drag Clytemnestra inside. Remember, death rarely occurred on stage in early Greek tragedies. The chorus sings about justice and vengeance, which seem to be one and the same. They sing that the action occurring offstage will cleanse the house of Atreus and cast out the Furies. The house opens and we see Orestes standing over the bodies of Clytemnestra and Aegisthus. He explains why he did what he did and argues that it is just. He asks the chorus to be a witness for the defense when his trial comes. Wait, what? Trial? Yes, we'll talk about all of that in the next play. The chorus is cool with what he did, but the more he talks, the more clear it is that he's not trying to justify himself to anyone on stage. The Arrignes, or Furies, have appeared to him and curse him for killing his mother because matricide is far worse of a crime than killing your husband. He flees, chased by some unseen characters. The chorus wishes him luck on his journey before exiting as well. several themes to explore in this play, some of which we will expand on when we finish this trilogy in the next play. One theme that we haven't discussed yet is hospitality. The guest-host relationship was well-defined in ancient Greece. Hosts are sworn to care for their guests, even giving them gifts, and guests are sworn to be good guests and not kill their hosts or run off with their wives amongst the usual picking up your wet towels and not eating all the food. In addition to the whole murder thing, Orestes' actions break Zeus' commandments on how a guest should behave, so it is very interesting to note that the chorus sings a prayer to Zeus that Orestes be successful in his actions. The concept of fate underlies this whole play. The curse on the house of Atreus has led to each of the murders in this trilogy. Clytemnestra can't help herself. Orestes can't help himself. They are fated to their actions. Or are they? The scene between Clydemnestra and Orestes shows that he could choose a different path. Maybe. A third theme, or pair of themes, is justice versus vengeance. I pointed out that Orestes has a line about his trial, but until this point, vengeance has been deemed to be justice. But a trial is not an act of vengeance. We see a beginning of a cultural shift in how murders will be treated and, spoiler alert, this shift will be concluded in the next play. And as usual, we have the representation of women as a theme to review in this play. Clytemnestra continues to be a powerful figure, but Electra and the chorus are not. The nursemaid Calissa is also notable in how she aids the cause of her former charge. Well, the individual characters are not necessarily complicated, together they show the full range of humanity within women. But because there is still one more play, we will have to leave our discussion of the Oresteia here. In two weeks, we will finish this trilogy with the Humanities. Next week, we will read the much lighter comedy, The Wasps. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.